This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, rolling along. Greeny with you, uh, presented by Progressive Insurance. The guests on the Goodyear hotline, including... Uh, Zach Logan to jump in here in a second. I want to mention that the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, will be on with KJZ tomorrow morning here on ESPN Radio, coast to coast, 9.15 a.m. Eastern time. You will hear Adam, who is, uh, you know, he's got to be just thrilled out of his mind with what he got last night <laughs> uh, from LeBron and Steph and company and everything else. Adam Silver tomorrow morning with the KJZ crew. And in the meantime, in case you're just joining me, I'm going to get to all the no-hitter stuff, which was I had planned for that to be about half the show or at least a significant chunk, and then a little tiny piece on Tim Tebow. But then Tim Legler came on and completely redirected the subject matter today, and God bless him for it. Those are the best talk shows. I say this all the time to people who you know are interested in, in the art of this. The best conversations are the ones where someone says something that takes you in an entirely different direction. So we were wrapping up Legler talking about last night's game, and then he said, Greeny, can I make one other quick point? And I said, Sure. And Tim Legler then went on to say this. Steph Curry won two MVPs before Kevin Durant went to Golden State. And, and his star was ascending year by year. And he was still just entering his prime years. And then Durant went there. And they cannibalized each other in a lot of ways in terms of, of how they're viewed historically. You know, they cannibalized their chances to win any more MVPs, all of that stuff. <clears throat> Steph Curry at that time was not really being talked about as an all-time great, like top 10 player, you know, second greatest point guard to Magic Johnson. For him to be able to do this again at this stage of his career, it basically what it's shown me is, can you imagine what the last five years or so would have looked like if Kevin Durant never went there, where Steph Curry would have cemented himself clearly as a top 10 player and, and in some people's minds, the greatest po- second greatest point guard of all time. So that was just the beginning, and then he went on to talk about how that might still happen as he continues on this trajectory. And whenever these kinds of conversations come up, the first person I always think of is Zach Lowe. So I said, Nuno, call Zach and see if he wants to jump in here. If you like basketball, you don't need me to tell you. The Low Post podcast is where all of the best basketball conversation takes place. Uh, and Zach jumps in here with us on ESPN Radio. So, Zach, you hear that. I know you didn't have a lot of time to think about it, but I wanted to let you at least hear sort of the setup of it with Legler. When you hear it, what's the first thought that jumps to your mind? Greeny, I think about... Durant's decision to sign with the Warriors like literally every single day of my life (laughs) and how much it changed the NBA and how it created this super team that if not for injuries was essentially unbeatable to the point that the fourth star whoever it was on a particular night almost felt like a luxury and I think about it in relation to the Cavs and would they have won another title with LeBron I think about it in relation to the Thunder and I think about it in relation to Steph all the time because even in their last run together with KD, he gets hurt against Houston. They close that series out. They sweep the Blazers without KD. And it just was a reminder of like Steph plus Clay plus Draymond is just magic. It's magic in a way that wasn't quite the same when they got Durant because they incorporated a different kind of player. And I completely agree with Legs and I agree with him too that 
a couple more years like this, we are going to start talking about Steph Curry, and we should be talking about Steph Curry, and maybe should be talking about him already as a guy who's going to finish his career in the conversation as a top 10, top 15 player of all time. Absolutely. See, I give you credit for that because you said that to me or something like that on my podcast when I had you on it like three years ago and I didn't agree. And I will admit that a year ago, I don't think I felt that way about Steph. And this year has changed a lot of that for me. And so here's a conversation I was just having with with, with the staff here on the air. I will not hold you to this because, granted, you're, you're literally just being asked this cold. But in this era, amongst the, the current stars of the sport, historically speaking, the best player is LeBron and KD is second. Is Steph third? Is Kawhi third? Where, where do they, how does that go on the pecking order of best players all time from this era? I, I, think, I think Steph at his peak has been closer to LeBron than people have wanted to imagine. And so I, I, I guess by... By default, I'm saying that it goes Steph, KD, and I'm sorry, sorry, LeBron, KD, and Steph. And even when Steve Kerr, you know, Steve Kerr on my podcast a couple years ago called KD the second best player in the league. And I said, well, wait, wait a second. You you have Steph on your team. You're just going to say that? And and he just kind of said, yeah, you know, KD's 6'10", 7 feet, whatever he is. It's just just not a fair comparison. But, yeah, I, I think because Steph is just different, he plays differently. We've never seen somebody move off the ball like that and, and draw the kind of attention he draws off the ball. And it's taken a long time for Gilbert to digest it. He gets his teammates open, and he punctures the defense in a way that is completely unique to him. And he makes up for his size deficit compared to some of the all-time great puncturers of defense, let's say, in a way that we haven't seen before. I, I think he's absolutely in that stratosphere. Greeny and Zach Lowe with me. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. He's on the Goodyear hotline, good enough to just jump on, as we called him, on a moment's notice. You know, I remember I had Shaquille O'Neal at the time that Steph and the Warriors first became a thing, so pre-KD. I had Shaquille O'Neal on Mike and Mike, and I asked him about this idea that in the same way that Shaquille O'Neal would make other teams compress their defense to the point that they broke, that Steph did the same thing but in the opposite, which is to say he stretched them out like a rubber band so much that until the point that they would break. And in that regard, you know, Steph has been a transformative player. I mean, he has changed the game about as much as almost anyone I can think of in that regard. It... it Maybe I really have been underselling him, I guess. This is a long-winded way of saying maybe I have been, Zach, underselling his historical place in the game all this time. Well, he's, he's hard to digest because he's he's not as tall as your apex scorers, and he's a little slight of frame, although he's he's stronger now. But, you know, he and, and, and even, you know, he has changed the game, but this came up last night with Jeff Van Gundy. He, he has changed the game, but yet, Nobody really plays like him, including the best outside shooting point guards, Damian Lillard, Trey Young, pick your pick your guy. They don't move off the ball the way he moves off the ball. It's it's a skill, his sense of pattern recognition, his conditioning, those are skills. And not only that, those guys also don't have a playmaking big man like Draymond Green. And I know Draymond, you know, didn't score last night from the field and 
you know, all of that, but their, their relationship on offense is so symbiotic and so beautiful. They, they have a, they have a special magic together, just the two of them. And, you know, maybe Steph would have moved off the ball like that, no matter who was on his team. But I do think Draymond deserves some credit for sort of bringing that out of his game and lifting it to a new level. It's well said. While I have you, Zach, just another moment here. I should get your thoughts. Lakers last night, uh, they look rusty in the first half. LeBron struggles. Davis struggles. They put it together in the second. LeBron makes a big shot, and off they go to take on Phoenix. What do you see the Lakers doing in these Western Conference playoffs? I think the longer they can get their footing, and and if LeBron, if this ankle is just going to be bothersome, you know, the whole time, we'll see. Maybe maybe he can get healthier and more comfortable on it. But I don't want any part of that team if I'm Phoenix. I don't want any part of that team if I'm anybody in the West because LeBron showed you last night. You know, I was texting some buddies in the NBA during the first half. I said, he looks like late career Jason Kidd in that he's trying to just sort of quarterback the game from 30 feet away. And he can do that. And he's not really imposing his will on the game. And then you look, I'm just like, oh, yeah, the triple double. Mm. Like, this, the guy is just unbelievable. And I think the longer they go together, the longer they get they get healthier if they do get healthier. And the fact that Caruso's playing well, Wes Matthews comes in last night, continues a good stretch of play. Like it feels like they're building something. It's just a matter of is that leg, what is that leg going to allow LeBron to do in terms of how often can he just sort of put his imprint on the game? And then Brooklyn on the other side? Brooklyn's been my pick to win the title since they got Harden, and I don't really see any reason to change that now. Fair enough. Zach, I, we literally called you on the fly. Thanks a million, my man. I appreciate it. Low post podcast. Everybody, you don't need me to tell you it's the best for basketball conversation. Thank you, Zach Lowe. Always a pleasure, Green. You be well. All right, you take care. That's my buddy, Zach Lowe, with terrific insight. We are uh, here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. So let's leave that there for the moment. We will come back. We had another no-hitter last night. It brings up a lot of fascinating conversation, and we will have it right after this on ESPN Radio. Coming up tomorrow on KJZ, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver on the play-in tournament and the state of the NBA as we head into the playoffs. Adam Silver with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Tomorrow morning at 9.15 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Greeny, the podcast. All right, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. It's only taken me an hour and 18 minutes to get to the topic that I really meant to spend most of the show on today. And I finally will in 30 seconds after this word from HelloFresh. You know, I bet we all miss a true real break. Not just endless downtime. I mean, like a real break that feels earned. A shortcut you give yourself that makes your life truly easier without sacrificing the end result. And that's how you will feel with HelloFresh. HelloFresh lets you skip the grocery store and crowds and traffic and all that hassle without sacrificing delicious meals. They have more than 25 chef-created recipes to choose from every single week, so you never run out of meals to try. Give it a go. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Greeny12 and use the code Greeny12. You get 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's code Greeny12 at HelloFresh.com slash Greeny12. Ground ball. Kleber Torres, and that'll do it. A no-hitter for Corey Kluber on a Wednesday night in Texas. Kluber becomes part of forever. That's Michael Kay's call on the Yes Network last night as we had another no-hitter in Major League Baseball. And I will repeat for those of you just joining me the uniqueness of this one. This no-hitter has to be unlike any other in history in at least this one way. Corey Kluber pitched this no-hitter on Corey on Corey Kluber bobblehead night on the road. Kluber was a Texas Ranger last year. He wound up pitching one inning for them because of injury. Either way, they had scheduled a bobblehead night for him, and they didn't have one because of the pandemic. Hard to have a bobblehead night when there's no fans. So with him coming back now as a Yankee, they scheduled bobblehead last night, and they just gave him away. Corey Kluber comes in as a road player, as a visiting player, and throws a no-hitter, on the road on his bobblehead night. What the hell are the odds of that? That has to be, Hembo, the only time that's ever happened. It right? has to be, but we don't have a bobblehead database, unfortunately, with which to verify. Well, that. I mean, I, I, I think we now have a bone to pick with our analytics department. They are very good, but, I mean, I, where's the bobblehead information? Of all people, I should know a little bit about this. Mike and I made bobbleheads famous for crying out loud. Yeah, we should have a database for which that populates, your favorite word. Uh, one way or another, that is six no-hitters this season and that's if you don't count the one Madison Bumgarner threw, which doesn't count because it was a seven-inning game. But either way, we'll continue a brief victory lap here by reminding you again, it was us who told you weeks ago this was going to happen. Hembo told you quite some time ago, we are going to see the no-hitter record fall. I don't think that we realized it would happen before June. But we're now at six no-hitters this year. The record is eight. It was set in the 19th century. Hembo, remind everyone why this was so predictable. Well, because it became very apparent right away, very early in the season, that this would be the hardest season ever in which to get a hit. uh, Fastball velocity was way up. Players have tailor-made their swings to hit home runs. Major League Baseball deadened the ball before the season started. You combine all those factors, and you get year of the pitcher 2.0. That brings us to the question of the day. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. The question of the day is, is it be becoming bad for baseball to have all these no hitters that all of a sudden seems to be a fairly popular position to take on this issue buster only said it this morning on get up with us 
Uh, Clayton Kershaw, one of the all-time greats, said it last night. Well, it's not good. Um, I'll tell you that. I think uh, whatever the intention was with the new ball or whatever it may be, it's it really hasn't done anything. No hitters are cool, and no, like you know, I, I have all the respects in the world for Corey Kluber and Bum and all those guys that have thrown no hitters. Um, but to have one happen every night, it seems like is not is probably not good for the game. Probably not good for the game, says Clayton Kershaw. I'm going to give my opinion on this here, and I'm going to ask for yours at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-SAY-ESPN. Do you agree that all these no-hitters are bad for baseball? But I will first ask the members of the hashtag crew. Let me start with Bubba. We haven't heard much from Bubba today, and many of you may not know, but Bubba began his career before he launched this very successful run in radio production. Bubba began his career as a baseball scout, old-time classic baseball scout, going around, traveling around the country in buses, uh, mostly through the uh, Atlantic League. I think he saw a lot of scouted, a lot of fine players doing that. So you understand this, the ins and outs of it, as well as anyone. Bubba, do you believe that all these no-hitters are bad for baseball? Um, No, I don't necessarily think it's bad for baseball. They, They don't really do much for me, as an aside, but... What do you mean they don't do much for you? I, just, I mean, I don't really find them that impressive. Like, it's an impressive that you can do it in, on the night, but, like, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't – I think they're kind of – I don't I. I don't know. I don't think it's much of a big deal anymore. Like, oh, a no-hitter, great. Like, it used to be, like, a big thing. Oh, a no-hitter. Like, now it's like, I don't know. I don't even – you don't even know the names of half these people that do it. Well, so maybe – you actually are arguing the point that those who think this is bad are making, which is you've taken something that seemed special. Maybe, yeah. And you've re- removed the specialness of it. I'm not, like, angry that there are so many no-hitters, though, I guess is my other point. Like, I'm not, like, mad. Like, oh, my God, there's so many no-hitters. But I just don't I don't care that they're, you know, it's just they're just happening. All right, we'll chalk you up for somewhere in between good or bad. Nuno, I think I hear in the background yeah, there screening calls. I mean, calls. like, yeah. Uh, Yes, this is bad. Look at the guys who have thrown them. And the fact that there's been six and what, it's been against three different teams, lets you know just how bad things are. Like, this isn't good. Okay, so there's a What's so bad about it? What is so bad? It's taken away that special moment, right? Like, what's happened? The MLB has messed around with the balls. It could be that, as Hembo was saying. All these different things. And you've messed with the integrity of the game. It's just like... It stinks. Okay, so there's a vote for bad for baseball. Hambo, I don't know anyone who loves anything the way you love baseball, so let me hear where you stand on this. Do you think the no-hitters are bad for baseball? No-hitters are good for baseball because they're exciting and because it allows us to celebrate an extraordinary individual accomplishment. But they're bad because of how we get them. The reason we have so many this way is because baseball's ecosystem right now is off. It's imbalanced. And in my judgment, sure, I'll take the excitement of a no-hitter once a week or seemingly once a night, but the trade-off isn't worth it to me because that, what that means, what it begets, is that so many other games are so boring. So, what you've just done brilliantly, and you, know, you really have not been on-air talent for that long, but I can see you're picking up some of the tricks. You have brilliantly argued both sides in your response, which is to say you can't be, no one can tell you you're wrong because you have taken both positions in this. You have said they basically are both good and bad at the same time. I mean, I've listened, I mean, I've probably done something like a thousand shows with you, so I'm starting to figure this thing out. I'm, I'm looking over the names of some of the pitchers who have thrown no-hitters just in recent years. This year, for example, Joe Musgrove, uh, Carlos Rodon, John Means, Wade Miley, Spencer Turnbull, and Corey Kluber 
are the pitchers who have thrown the no-hitters this year. That doesn't include Madison Bumgarner. Going back to last year and, and, and recent years, we do see some of the big names on the list. Justin Verlander threw a no-hitter in there somewhere along the line. Walker Bueller threw a no-hitter. Max Scherzer, Jake Arrieta, a few of the other names that you know, but many others that you don't. So coming up next, I will tell you the right answer to the question, are no, good, are no hitters good or bad for baseball? And more importantly, you will tell us what you think. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776 is the phone number. Your opinion next here on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Greeny, the podcast. All right, Greeny coming to you live from the Seaport District of Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. Delighted you are here coming to your calls in just a moment. 888-SAY-ESPN on the question of the day. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. Which is really sort of prompted by my hearing Clayton Kershaw, of all people, who was an all-time great. I have nothing but respect for Clayton Kershaw, saying all these no-hitters are bad for baseball, not good for baseball. I heard him say that. And Buster only said it on TV with us today. And Nuno thinks it's bad for baseball and all the rest of that. And I'm going to sit here now and I'm going to weigh in on this subject and I'm going to tell you, you are all out of your freaking mind. No hitters are about the most exciting thing that can possibly happen in a baseball game. Now, Hembo, what you described is the disease, not the symptom. All these no hitters are a symptom of a disease that has afflicted Major League Baseball, which is to say that the lack of offense the everyone throwing 100 miles an hour and everyone swinging for the fences on every swing has created, generally speaking, a less interesting game. That I agree with. But this one symptom, which is more no-hitters, is by far the best thing that has going for it. It's almost as though you could get a disease, but one of the symptoms is everything you eat tastes just like chocolate. Or insert any food you love. Because more no-hitters is outstanding. This is not like when the home run was being cheapened to the point that you were getting six, seven a night. It still only happened six times this year. 
maybe it feels a little overdone in this moment because it's happened on consecutive days. But I will tell you right now, I'd love to be in the ballpark to see a no-hitter. I've told you many times, I came awfully close once. April of, I want to say, 92 or 3, something like that. Super early in the season, first week of the season. Jose Guzman for the Cubs, I was there covering the game at Wrigley, took a no-hitter into the ninth and had two outs. And Otis Nixon broke it up with a base hit to left. I can tell you, it was electric in that ballpark. It was like being at a World Series game. You're hanging on every pitch. I can think of nothing that could be more exciting in a baseball game than a no-hitter because literally every pitch, it hangs in the balance. That's more exciting than someone hitting four home runs. Someone hitting four home runs in a baseball game, also very, very rare and exciting, happens when that guy comes up. Basically, at this point, once every 45 minutes, if you're lucky. This is every single pitch. You're hanging on every pitch. A no-hitter is outstanding. Did you tell me that people were critical of Michael Kay for being excited on the call last too, night? Too excited. How stupid are these people? <laughs> I mean, let me play you the call again. Ground ball to Kleber Torres. And that'll do it. A no-hitter for Corey Kluber. On a Wednesday night in Texas, Kluber becomes part of forever. That's an excellent call for Michael. I'm going to say this right now. If the play-by-play announcer on a baseball game does not get excited about the last out of a no-hitter, what exactly are you expecting him to get excited about? Every game isn't Game 7 of the World Series. That's the stupidest criticism I've ever heard in my entire life. If Michael's call had been, I'm just going to play the crack of the bat. Ground ball to Kleber Torres. Routine play, over to first, ball game over, no hitter. If that had been his call, then Michael should have been fired. You would fire him the next day. Put put Don LaGreca in there or Peter (laughs) Rosenberg, someone who will get excited about calling a no hitter. That's why Michael is an excellent announcer, because it's an exciting thing. In fact, I don't even know why am I wasting time responding to that idiocy. It's an excellent example of the fact that people just say stupid things sometimes, and those stupid things are frequently better off ignored, like the play-by-play announcer really shouldn't get excited about the last out of a no-hitter. That's idiocy. So I say the no-hitters are great for baseball. You are correct when you say that the problem that has created the proliferation of no-hitters is a problem. But the no-hitters are the best part of that, by far. In fact, they are a good part. I would rather have more no-hitters, not less no-hitters. Now, if we have 75 of them this season, check back with me. At that point, I might start to agree with you. But the record is eight. If we wind up with 12, which feels like a reasonable possibility, how close are we to being halfway through the season? Not close. Uh, how, many, how many games into the we're season lo- are we? We're, we're like about 30 50 perc- games in? We're about 30% of the way in. Okay. So if we went from 6 to 18, if the rec- we've got 6. If we went to 18, yeah. 18, no hitters? How many baseball games are there? 2,400. 2,400. Do the math on that for me real quick. What percentage <laughs> is that? I mean, your chances of seeing a no-hitter are still like, you have a better chance of getting hit by lightning than you have of seeing a no-hitter yeah, at the ballpark. Less than 1%. Less than 1%. What are we talking about here? Something that happens less than 1% of the time is not being overdone. That's not being done to death. It's just not. You look like you want to disagree with me. Feel free if you want to. I don't disagree with you. Okay. It's, it, no, I, 
both of those things can be true at the same time. But I can't tell you how many people already today have asked me, what's up with all these no-hitters? As if it's a bad thing. So clearly, Nuno's not the only one that feels that Do you know what those people aren't doing? What? Watching baseball. Because if you're watching that game last night, you're not into it? Oh, you're Uh, absolutely not. Would you rather see a 4-1 to game, you know, with, uh, you know, 11 strikeouts and two walks and f- nine balls hit in play over the course of the uh, – like, like uh, what, nine balls hit on the course of the night, two of them foul, <laughs> and, and seven pitchers. Or would you rather see Corey Kluber throw a no-hitter? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, the question is not meant to be answered because it's so obvious. So that's what I think. Now, on this program, people are entitled to disagree with me. And so let's see who does. 888-SAY-ESPN is the phone number. Bubba, let's go to the phones and see what people are thinking. Who's first up? We got Pat. All right, Pat. Mo hitters, good or bad for baseball? Greeny, I think they're great for baseball. And last night's no hitter was particularly exciting for me because as a 24-year-old Yankee fan, this is the first one that I can remember in my lifetime. And I think that this is going to force some of these hitters to readjust from the analytic stuff, from swinging to the fences, and maybe we'll get back to some small ball. Maybe we'll start to see some more exciting close games, start trying to make contact like we've seen John Carlos Stanton try and readjust his swing as. And look how it worked for him before he went down with another injury. That's a very good call, Pat. Mm-hmm. I, I do like where you took that part of the conversation. Um, the last Was the last Yankee no-hitter, was it David Wells? Uh, David Cohn in 99. Cohn was after Wells, right. Wells that was a perfect game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so... so so that's what is 20 something years ago. Yeah. So he had never seen it mm-hmm. before. Uh, and do you think that the way the numbers are trending in baseball right now with a domination of pitching, will we see what they're trying to do is to get to do exactly what Pat is suggesting. They're trying to get hitters to change their approach. Will we see that? I don't think that we I think we are more likely to see Major League Baseball enact rules or changes to encourage that than we are to see hitters make an individual adjustment because what the money, what, what the what the numbers say is, we'll pay you if you hit home runs. Okay, uh, let's see who else wants to chime in on this, Bubba. Who's next? Let's go to Mike. Mike, good or bad for baseball? The no hitters. Uh, it's it's completely good for baseball, and uh, you know I I understand the argument to make that you know uh, no hitters for the casual baseball fan isn't good because they're not going to see home runs, they're not going to see offense. I get that, but you know for for most diehard baseball fans like myself. There's nothing better than watching a no-hitter. And, and, you know, if you're lucky enough to see a perfect game, there's nothing more beautiful to me than a, a, a stellar pitching performance. I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I don't like the Mets very much. But every single time I see Jacob DeGrom go to the mound and light it up, there's nothing better for baseball, in my opinion. I'm with you. That's an excellent call, Mike. Thank you. In fact, let, let me ask it to you this way. Let me, ask, let me ask Nuno. Because Nuno, of all the members of the staff, you were the one who was most against this. You were the mo- one who thought it was most bad for the sport. If I'm going to buy you a ticket, I'm going to send you to a, to a baseball game. All right, you're, going to, you're a Yankee fan, right? Yes, sir. All right, you're going to the Bronx. I'm going to send you and, and, and a couple of friends to a Yankee game. And I'm giving you a, the option of telling me what you'd like to see happen in that game. Obviously, you want to see your team win. But beyond that, if you could handpick the way a game could play out, how many options would you choose ahead of seeing your pitcher, the Yankee pitcher, whoever it is that night, throw a no-hitter? How many things would you prefer to see than that? Well, I mean, obviously perfect game would be first, but that's the specialty or the, the special moment, and I think it's just being whitewashed with so many mm. bad pitchers having that quote-unquote special moment this year. 
Well, so that's it's, it, let, let me go. I went back to the 70s. The 70s is when I grew up in baseball. So as you look through the names of the pitchers who threw no-hitters in the 70s, yes, there are a lot of legendary pitchers. Vita Blue, Ken Holtzman, Bur- uh, uh, Bob Gibson did it. Um, Nolan Ryan, I'm counting four of his no-hitters in the 70s. Dennis Eckersley, back when he was a starter, Tom Seaver, Burt Blylevin, a lot of great pitchers. But there are, for every one of those, there are a bunch of guys who were kind of you know, journeymen. I mean, some names I don't even remember on this list who threw no-hitters. So that's always been a part of the game. A no-hitter is a little bit of a fluke, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's, it's very much a fluke. And in all six of these cases, it was an individual no-hitter, meaning the pitcher finished the game, right. which is something that doesn't happen in baseball nearly as much uh, now as it used to, obviously. Right. And that is a good thing, too. That no one throws a complete game. Yeah. I'm looking. There have not been that many uh, combined no-hitters, which is to say games in which multiple pitchers threw the no-hitter. I'm just looking through just over the last 20 years. There have not been that many of them, maybe one out of every seven or eight of these tops on the list. Let's, let's get some more calls in here. I want to hear if anyone disagrees. Please, I want to make sure it's clear because I gave my opinion so forcefully. Sometimes I worry that if I do that and then take calls, people might be hesitant to disagree. I want you to disagree with me. I'm 100% open to you disagreeing with me because then we will have a debate and one of two things will happen and both of those things are good. Either A, I'll prove how smart I am or B, I'll learn something. I'm signed up for both of those things. So if you disagree, by all means, I want to hear from you. With that said, Bubba, who's next? We got Jason. Jason, good or bad for baseball, the no-hitters? I'm not certain about for baseball, but I'm fairly convinced that it's not great for the consumer. Scarcity or rarity of a product of any type makes it less magical than it has been before. And I don't care if that's a 5,000-yard passing season or a triple-double in basketball or a no-hitter in baseball. And it's just it's so many now. I used to watch you on SportsCenter doing the leads because it was so rare that someone had had a triple-double in the NBA. Or so rare. You know, I'm having a very difficult time understanding what he's saying. Can, Hembo, you look like you got it better than I did. I can paraphrase. What he's saying is that it is bad for the consumer because it's not nearly as scarce as it should be or as it used to be. He compared it to the triple-double. He compared it to a 5,000-yard passing season. He said it's becoming too common. Okay, but the difference between... Those are three different things. And thank you very much for the call. I apologize. I was having a very tough time making out what he was saying. The triple-double has become much too commonplace, and that is because of the way the game is played. Same as we're saying in baseball, which is to say there are so many possessions. Offense is so dominant. They're they're playing so much faster. Three-point shooting, they're getting shots up faster. Points are easier to come by, and as a result, you're going to have, when there's more shots, you're going to have more rebounds, you're going to have more points, you're going to have more assists. (laughs) It just stands to reason. So, yes, the triple-double, it does not feel like it's as special as it used to be. On that regard, I agree. To me, there's no comparison between the no-hitter and the triple-double. You might get six triple-doubles in the NBA on a given night. If every team in the NBA played on the schedule, like the last day of the season, every team in the NBA played. Okay. I'm sure a lot of them didn't play their best players. But if on any given day every team played, you would, you would be almost guaranteed to get one triple-double, right? There's no way in the world you're going to have that many. Is a triple I'm dancing around the answer here. How, how frequent is a triple-double in, in basketball? Do we know? Can you look something like that up? I can. Just give like me a what moment. percentage of games? Because we just said less than one. If, if, this thing, if they triple the record, if we, get from, if we get to 18 triple-doubles this year, which would be versus eight is the record, it's still less than 1% of the games 
uh, for no hitters, excuse me. I'm, 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 I'm talking all over Much myself. less than 1% of the games. Much less than 1% of the games. Triple-doubles have to be way more than 1% of the games. Russell Westbrook himself had a triple-double in, <laughs> in 1% of all the NBA games played this season. The other comparison that he made beyond the triple-double was the 5,000-yard passing season. Yes, that has been cheapened, but I don't think you lose anything with that. I mean, if you preferred the old style of football where it was more ground and pound and more physical and all that, I get it. Generally speaking, though, I think that change has been good for the sport. It has ushered in the era of fantasy and all of that, and it is also it being less physical is going to mean a lot less catastrophic injury, which I think is also a good thing. So I, I don't conflate those three things at all. Can you do that stat or no? I I have it. Actually. Go ahead, Nuno. Go ahead, Nuno. So this year, the or the most ever has been six triple doubles in the same day. It happened in March. Uh, previously to that, actually a couple times this year. You've had uh, five in one day, and then the the record used to be four. Okay, but that so, record stood for in 1999 until this year. Fair enough. But the point you're making is the point I was making, which is we have gotten six triple doubles on an individual day. We've had six triple doubles in two months of the baseball season. Those are not the same thing. No, you're. Uh, something somewhere between 10 and 15% of NBA games include a triple-double. Okay, 10 to 15%. Correct. Way less than 1% of baseball <laughs> games have a no-hitter. So, okay, good. I feel vindicated by that position. Give me one more call, Bubba. Let's go to David. All right, David, give me your last thought here. Yay or nay? You up, thumbs up or thumbs down on all these no-hitters? I think that in the short term it's uh, bad because baseball is kind of struggling with uh, looking at popularity of the sport in the long run. But I don't think we should do anything about it because in the long run, hitters are going to eventually come back to being able to learn how to hit a single, a double, uh, you know, aim for a specific base hit in a game uh, instead of just swinging for the fences. So we need to wait it out and do nothing about it because it'll come back around. It's a good call. Thank you very much. I'd like to, I don't know if correct is the right word, but at least address the very first thing he said, which is that the sport is struggling for popularity. Now, if you compare baseball to, there are two things you cannot compare it to. One is what it was in the 70s. Like, it's just not that, and it's never going to be that. The other thing you can't compare it to is pro football. You should not compare anything to pro football in this country. Pro football is more popular than any other form of entertainment we have. I don't think, I, I remember once doing a bit on Mike and Mike where I said, complete the following sentence. In America, we love blank more than we love pro football. And the answers were very short. It was like money and sex. And I think we, we thought like most of the time I take football <laughs> over either one. And, and, and so, I mean, football, you can't compare it to football. That said, every bit of data I have seen, and a lot of it, Hembo, was sent to me from you, mm. suggests that baseball is on a major upswing Right now, at least as far as television ratings. Television ratings are through the roof. And, and to your point, football has been America's favorite sport since the year 1972. We can track that. So your point's mm-hmm. a good one there. I also am not certain that the caller is right in the sense that the fans are, are so aware and care so much about the run-scoring environment in baseball. I think, generally speaking, people are just happy to have baseball on their TV in May, which we did not have last season. And if the league's batting 230, whoop-de-doo. Like, I, don't, I, don't think there is, I don't think the average fan is nearly as keen on that as we are. I think people just like baseball and glad, are glad that it's back. I, I think baseball is in kind of a good place yeah. right now. Again, the, the two ways that you measure. I remember one time asking Bud Selig, What's the first thing you look at when you get up in the morning? And again, he, he was an older you know, product of an earlier generation. He was the commissioner at the time. 
But he said to me, Greeny, every single day, the first thing I check is attendance. He would get the paper, he'd look in the box scores, he'd see the attendance. Well, this year you can't check the attendance because are there any ballparks that have full fans yet? I mean, I, I know Texas did for – uh, do they and have – In Georgia, the Braves uh, have so, full or close but, to but full. But generally speaking – you can't compare attendance because, you know, they're letting in small numbers of people because of the pandemic in most of the places. But so television ratings are really kind of the only measure of that we have, and the television ratings are huge. I'm not saying no hitters are the reason why, but I will say that I think no hitters are very good for baseball. Let's finish this with what we think last night was for basketball because it has been a difficult season, a trying season, I think, in a lot of ways for the NBA. I think we are all hoping, all of us who love the sport, and I will raise my hand, I consider myself one who loves that sport as much as anybody you know. We are all hoping, I think, for an outstanding postseason. And I think that last night sort of got us off to a great start. Last night was exactly what we needed. We needed LeBron James and Steph Curry to put on a show. And while LeBron did not have a great game, he did provide a couple of memorable moments. The drama of getting poked in the eye the three that he knocks down at the end. Steph Curry putting on what I think has been the best show in basketball from the beginning of the season all the way through to last night. And selfishly, I hope it doesn't end tomorrow night. So this game actually did the almost impossible, which is it exceeded the expectations. And the expectations were enormous. So that to me is great news. Let's hope that we get good stuff. We got Washington, Indiana tonight. Who do we like? We like Washington tonight. I think we do. I agree. I think we like Washington at home. Will we get a no-hitter tonight? Will we get a no-hitter tonight? (laughs) Survey says no. If we get a third one in a row, maybe tomorrow the tone of the conversation (laughs) will have to change. We'll see. We'll talk to Chris Russo about it tomorrow. Mad Dog live with us tomorrow. We'll see you then. Thanks for hanging out. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.